0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at six one one zero Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So,
1: I'll be the first to admit that it's very easy to overcomplicate prayer. I think that every person in here. Even if even if you've prayed and you don't consider yourself a Christian, uh, consider this to be sometimes kind of a complicated thing. And what I mean by that is it's difficult to fight off distraction and to pray consistently about things that really matter. A question that a lot of people have, and these are even like seasoned Christians, people that have been in the faith for a very long time, am I praying the right way? Um, do the things that I'm praying matter. Or if you're like me, one of the issues that I have whenever I start praying, all of a sudden, oh, I've got to get all this work done. I've got to take care of these things today, so I stop. For some of you, it's your grocery list. For some of you, it's what time do I need to pick the kids up? For others, it's what time am I supposed to meet so-and-so? And there's all this distraction and all these issues that can start to invade our prayer life. In his book, A Praying Life, Paul Miller says this, praying, and this is this is so fundamentally just true and powerful. Praying exposes our self-preoccupied or how self-preoccupied we are and uncovers our doubts. It is easier on our faith not to pray. And I'll bet you've never heard it explained that way. It's easier on our faith not to pray Because prayer can become this complicated thing. People wonder, why am I not hearing from God? Why am I not seeing God move? Why does this seem like such a frustration and a a problem sometimes? And I'm talking about the people who are going beyond, okay, I'm going to say the five-minute prayer at bedtime. Whenever I get on the car on the way to work, I'm going to pray that I have a good day. I'm talking about really trying to get deep in a prayer life the way that followers of Jesus are supposed to. And he goes on to say, after only a few minutes, our prayers are in shambles. Barely out of the starting gate, we collapse on the sidelines, cynical, guilty, and hopeless. Now, I know a lot of you that's probably a difficult thing to admit, but I can say that that's been the case with me. There have been a lot of times that I've been praying. And I'll just stop because there's something else that I need to get done or do. Or I feel like, okay, I've given God enough time. Or I'm even asking the question, God, are you there? Do you hear me as I'm praying? I'm a pastor, and I can confess that that's a struggle to me a lot of the time. Most people will tell you that they pray, but most people will also admit that prayer is often a struggle for them trying to understand how exactly to do it. Some of you in here have gotten to the point of frustration because you've not recognized some of your prayers being answered, or you've really questioned, is there really someone on the other end of these prayers, and you just quit. And some people will go days and days and days that turn into months and years without praying. So we could talk about prayer as an easy topic, We could talk about it as something that's not complicated. We could talk about it as something that we all do all the time. But if we're going to be real honest, this is what a lot of us find ourselves in. We say the same things over and over, and those same things start to lose meaning over time to the point that we don't even recognize what we're saying. We're just kind of mumbling words. And for so many people, that's what the prayer life turns into. So for for those of you that may be new, our first core value at Believer's Church is formation. You'd see it on the wall out there. And what formation means is to become students of Jesus. So we become students of Jesus through practicing what are often referred to as spiritual disciplines. Prayer, worship, giving, fasting, serving. Gratitude, scripture reading, all of these kinds of things are what fall into the category of spiritual disciplines. Every spring and every fall, we can go ahead and call it spring, can't we? Because it feels nice and we're ready for spring. Every spring and every fall, we take a spiritual discipline and we focus on this spiritual discipline. Last spring, we did scripture reading with the hope that three out of four, or 75% of our people, would become daily scripture readers. In the fall, we talked about hospitality. What does Jesus mean when he welcomes the outsider, when he loves people that are different, when we open up our homes to the stranger or to the other? It's what we talked about in the fall. So what we're gonna focus on this time around, we're gonna spend six weeks with our focus on prayer. And we're gonna talk about the way that we pray and some things that are problematic with the way that we pray. A lot of the problems that you face in your prayer life as you try to make it something serious, we want to try to walk through some of those things and talk about what prayer is. And as always, we have a list of recommended readings for you guys on the website. So if you go to believerschurchjc.com, you look under resources, and then under recommended readings, there are five absolutely fantastic books on prayer and i will say this of all the recommended readings lists that we've had this one is the best this is the best list that we have so if there are some of these books or if you're ambitious all of these books you want to check out because you want to develop this and foster this in your life i highly recommend you pick up one of those if you if you want a recommendation for some of the problems that you have we can talk about that and we can kind of look at what's going to make you stronger in your prayer life so we started this year with our breaking ground time of fasting, scripture, and prayer. Then we went into our Good Ground uh, 22 vision series in which we talked about disciple multiplication, which is what our church is about. And we're going to focus on going in to the future. Future. Now, this is really important, and I want to make sure that you get this today. Our vision will come to fruition And we will be the church that we are supposed to be when we learn how to pray passionately. Now, this is something that I'm going to mention every week of this. So we're going to get past, and I'm not saying these prayers are not important, but, you know, uh, Sister Edna's knee surgery, or so-and-so who's going in for the checkup, or so-and-so who who has the test, it's not that these prayers are not important. You, You can pray for these things. But what we're going to be talking about is for the Spirit of God to move the people in this place to change this region. And if we approach this with, well, Pastor Matt kind of said, this is a kind of good idea. Maybe I should consider this. Maybe I should try this, or or maybe I'll do it a little bit. We will fail. But if we get into a place where we trust God, to do what God says he will do and what God wants to do, this place is going to be rocked. And it's never going to look the same. So the kind of the cultivated, the cultivation and culture that we're trying to create on Sunday mornings, and we want to invite you guys anytime between nine and 930. If you're able, if you're not serving at that time, come into the nursery over here, join us. Pray for five minutes, pray for 30 minutes. We want to lift up our service. We want to lift up our vision before God and then expect God to work. We're just going to walk through the door that he provides. But this comes down to the prayer life of his people. So what we're going to talk about today just briefly is what I'm going to call the right kind of prayer. So, a lot of what we struggle with, we're going to answer today. What is the right way to pray? And is there a wrong way to pray? There is a wrong way to pray. And there is a right way to pray. So, our passage today, if you want to, you can turn to Luke 22 if you have your Bible. If you don't have it, just make sure that you follow on the screen. You can use your phone, however, it is that you want to follow along. I do want to highly encourage you. To to bring your Bible. We're we're continuing to work on uh, making it a little bit lighter in here. There's something about a hard copy of God's Word that is so critical. I just love to hear those pages turn. All right, so I want to encourage you guys, if you don't have a Bible, I will buy you one today. If you need a Bible, and you can hold me to that after service, I will make sure you have a Bible today. Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to look. This prayer occurs hours before Jesus is going before Pilate to be crucified. It's one of the most famous prayers and also one of the most famous moments in human history. It's often called the prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane or the prayer at the Mount of Olives. It's one of the most beautiful stories uh, that we have in Scripture, and that's what we're going to look at today. So Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 39 through 44. Everything you need about prayer is here. Everything, we can make this a one-parter today. Everything that you need is here. So here's what we see, in starting in verse 39. Jesus left and made his way to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived, he said to them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, so he's, he's pretty close by, knelt down, and he prayed. And here is the prayer. And I want you to hear this prayer echo from eternity, because this is the way that we are supposed to pray. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me, knowing that the cross is ahead, knowing that suffering and pain in a way that he would have never chosen for himself is ahead. If it's possible, if it's your will, take this <clears throat> excuse me, this cup of suffering away from me. <clears throat> However, not my will, but your will be done. Then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. And every time you pray God's will and you get yourself out of the way, there will be a source of strength that you will find that is not comparable in any other place. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. This is what it means to pray passionately. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the tension of everyday prayer. It's the tension that all of us go through as we pray and then we see jesus get it right and that's the important part so here it is right here here's this formula the desire to pray for our way what's best for matt what is the outcome that is going to lead to the least amount of suffering for me okay the desire to pray for our way But then this transition for Jesus, the passion to pray for his will. So the desire to pray for our way, and then the passion to pray for his will. There is a stark contrast that is present. And this is where we are today in our prayer lives a desire to pray for the things that are going to build us up with the potential to make our lives better or this really scary way to pray. And that is the desire for his will or his plan to take place. So let's first consider our desire uh, to pray our way. All right, let's think about that first. So in verse 42, in the first part, he says this. He says, Father, if it is your will Take this cup of suffering away from me. So Jesus first reveals the way that most of us pray. And it's like this, even though he's asking for God's will, he says, pray or, or please help me get out of this mess. Change my circumstances so that things are easier. Make things work this way. Please, God, if it's your will, make things work that way. I'm kind of in a pinch. I'm going through some suffering. Maybe it's a lot more catastrophic and you feel like your life is falling apart. Please help me out of this situation. Help me to avoid pain at all costs. You recognize these prayers because you've prayed these kinds of prayers before. I've prayed these kinds of prayers recently. You guys have prayed this way. I can remember a time consistently, and I've shared this with you guys a little bit whenever I shared my story one Sunday, that there was a time, many times actually, after a lot of cocaine use, everybody would leave or people would go to sleep. My heart's still, I'm not going to sleep anytime soon. And I'm like, God, if you, and this is the only time I prayed during this period of my life, God, if you will get me out of this situation, I will never do this again, only to go and do it again. How many times have you prayed for a relationship to work that had no business whatsoever working? God, please, I believe this is the one for me. And this is how we consider signs from God. Well, I happen to see that girl at a restaurant. She must be the one for me. Like we really take this confirmation with God thing. And if we see someone, it must be a God thing. It must be something that God has control of. So please, God, help this situation in my life to work out. God, give me some things that I don't need. God, give me, make my retirement, make all these things work out the way That I want them to work out. Now, there are several flaws within praying that some of us use every single day. Several issues that we have that we're going to cover, and my hope and my prayer is that you never pray this way again. Okay, now here's the first. Praying to God as a genie. All right, praying to God like God is a genie or a wish granter and you just rub the lamp, and you say, God, I want this. I want that. Some people see God as the ultimate wish granter, and this is the basis of their prayer life. Help me to get into the college of my choice. Help me to get that new car. Make her fall in love with me. Some of you have prayed those kind of prayers for, or make him fall in love with me. God, I believe the Bible says anything's possible with you. Make him fall in love with me. As if God's just supposed to answer everything that we want, because that's why he exists. Give me this. Give me that. Take care of all my problems. All right, the next flaw that we have in our prayer life is praying to God as our personal therapist. Now listen, let me say this as a preface to this. You should always take your problems to God. You should always if you're struggling with something, if it's a mental health issue, if it's the stress of your job, if you're grieving the lo- the loss of a loved one, if you're going through a messy divorce, whatever it looks like, you should always be able to take these things to God. That is part of the reason a relationship with God exists. It's a very relational component. But if that's the only part of the relationship, if that's the only thing that you do in your walk with God, your prayers are going nowhere. Uh, get a pet. Uh, talk to somebody else. Because your prayer life is so much deeper than that. Yet for a lot of people, it's give me this, give me that. Or God, I, I've, I've screwed up again. And that's the extent. There's a lot of people that also pray to God as if it's the principal's office. I'm in trouble. I've done it now. I've messed up. God, I've got myself in this situation again. Said I was not going to be in any more physical relationships before I got married. I said I was going to stop using drugs. I said I was going to do this. I said I was going to do that. I said I was going to do all these things. And the way this works for some of you that grew up in like a fundamentalist background, you feel that weight and you feel that guilt. But the only time that you ever come to God is when you recognize that you're in trouble, when you recognize there are problems. And the point that I'm making is that there is so much more to a relationship with God than this. And when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, this has nothing to do with the way that he's praying. So these are some of the wrong ways to pray. And my desire in my prayer is that through this practice, you'll put these prayers to the side. Again, if you're in trouble, you should go to God, All right. If you desire something that is godly, nothing wrong with going to God. If, if you want to talk to God about the problems and issues, issues in your life, you should be able to do those things. But above and beyond this, there is a right way to pray, and it's this. This this is, this is, the the take home today. The passion to pray for his will. And this is a very scary thing. It's a very hard thing. And it's a very difficult thing to walk into. But when you do, it transforms everything about your life. This is what the passage says. He said, this is later in verse 42. Father, this is the first part that we just read. If it's your will or if it's your plan Take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. So before we leave this place today, this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Some of you are going to be comfortable with this because you've already done it and you do it every single day. Some of you are going to be less comfortable with this because it's a scary way to pray But you're gonna do it anyway, and we're gonna move forward, and God's gonna start doing more miraculous things. And then others of you, you're gonna say, This is too scary, because this long term plan financially that I have for my life, these desires, these things that I have for my kids to be part of, these things that are important to me, 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 you're just not gonna be able to let go. And I hope that as you approach, prayer again the next time that you feel this very real tension, this very real tension that should be there. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but yours be done. This transition that Jesus makes is the, in this moment teaches us the most important type of prayer, and it's every time we approach prayer, it must be with this posture, your will be done. Do you have the guts in your life to pray this, knowing that it could mean the end of a relationship? Knowing that it could mean a calling on your life that is calling you away from your well paid job into a completely new life? It's radical, it's countercultural. It's different, and it's the things that were never told about prayer. So there's this key word here that I, want, that I want you to give your attention to within that verse, and the word was however. That's where the transition happens. Other translations say yet, or but, or nevertheless, your will be done. The word for this in Greek, plain, is the word, is expanding, on what Jesus initially initially said. So I want to provide you with a modern example of some very, very difficult ways to pray, but of ways that we must pray, understanding prayer in its foundational essence. Let's assume that a 35-year-old man has just been told he has terminal cancer. And he says in his prayer life, God, I I clearly don't want to die. Maybe this person, maybe this man has, has small children. Maybe he has plans for the future. Maybe the plans for his future are to carry out the work that God is already doing in his life. I know that it's in your power to heal me. And I know that if you want to heal me, you are going to heal me. However, Not my will, but your will be done. Another example. God, it's really, really hard to be single. I see all my friends getting married. I can't even open up social media. I feel like I'm going to vomit. Everybody's getting married. It's awful. I want to be with someone. I want to have that. I want to have that companionship. I want to grow old with someone. However. Not my will, but your will be done. God, I have everything set up for retirement. Everything looks perfect. Everything's taken care of. I've worked at that job for 37 years, and this is what we plan to do. And it's all out here for us. We want to do this. However, not my will. But your will be done. Now, do you see how scary these prayers are? Do you see how radical these prayers are? Do you see where some of you are right now? God, give me this. God, help me pass the exam. God, help me to get this job with this particular firm. God, help it to work out this way. This is as far as some people go in their prayer life. But what if you step out and say, I don't care about it anymore because you have something better for me? I've come to the end of myself, not my will but your will instead be done. We we can't go further with what we're talking about. We can't say anything else about prayer if we don't understand this as a fundamental truth. So this is what this kind of prayer does, and this is why this is so important. First, it shifts the attention on God's will for our lives instead of our wants and desires. And I am not saying this in a bragging way because I have tons of issues. But you have no idea how many things I wanted for my family and how many things I've cared about that I've laid laid down at the cross of Christ. I've literally felt God pull things out of my hands before and had to say goodbye. It shifts our attention to God's will. Such a a beautiful example. Last week when Cody and Nicole were up here, and I don't know if you guys remember, if you were here, this turning point, whenever Nicole said, I didn't know how else to pray. I was losing my husband. I was losing my family. But I had to say, God, you just have to completely take this. I don't know what to do. Your will be done. If I'm married, I'm married. If I'm divorced, I'm divorced. If I'm going to struggle, I'm going to struggle. But your will must be done. And in a period of time, Cody found himself praying the exact same thing. I'm a mess. I'm a train wreck. I have no control over myself whatsoever. Your will be done. But it also teaches us to live with trust in him above the plan that we have for our lives. One of the things that we'll talk about as we go deeper into this practice is that There's someone else on the other side of these prayers. This is a relationship. It's relational. And whenever we pray this way, we are growing closer in this relationship on a regular basis. And that opens up this third point. It builds a relationship instead of just giving a laundry list of demands which is what most people's prayer life is. Me, 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 me. God, get me out of this mess. God, cure me of this illness. God, help this depression to pass. God, help her to be willing to stay with me. God, help this job situation to work out. And here is something key. You see, we pray from within. We pray from within. And when we pray, and the way we pray reveals everything about the way we view God. Is God all-powerful? Is God sovereign? Does God really love us? Can God really control all of these things in our lives? What's here? What's inside? And if we look close enough, what so many of us see, and this is people who have been Christians. For years, what we see is me, 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 me. That unfortunately, it's all about us. And here's the thing. I feel like every person, every person, Christian, non-Christian, regardless of what your religious affiliation is, if there is any religious beliefs, has moments of suffering. Some of you in here today may say, my kids will not talk to me. This depression feels permanent. I didn't get the job. This is a tough one. My ex is seeing someone else. Some of you may be saying, my life is falling apart. I'm here because somebody invited me here. I don't really want to be here this morning. My life is falling apart. Here's your prayer. Your will be done in every situation. The way this opens itself up is absolutely amazing. Some of you have a lot of uncertainty in your life right now. What will the labs show is wrong. What happens if she leaves me i can tell you one that's very personal sitting on a mountain in a honda crv many days in a row not getting work done that i was supposed to be getting done because i was literally just so sick at my stomach and my anxiety was so strong i couldn't focus on anything god i do not want to leave kentucky and this growing church and this platform that you've provided for me. And all of these things in my life, I do not want to go back to Tennessee. But your will be done. I had no idea what our marriage was going to look like. I had no idea what it was going to be like coming home. No idea what any of this kind of stuff was going to look like. But I'm going to make you a promise and we're going to do communion here in just a little while, maybe some of you want to kneel with your families. You want to find a special place that you can, you can pray with them. But what I'm challenging you today to do is to pray. Your will be done in every single prayer. And what you're going to recognize, and I can tell you from experience, is that there are things that you love that you are going to lose. But God is going to replace these things with what you cannot even begin to imagine. I love you guys. And had I not been obedient, I never would have met any of you. So the reality of being able to be present in this place right now, fulfilled, deep inside, is a result of the pain and the struggle, but praying, your will be done. Jesus prays the right way. He gets it right. And moments later, he's arrested. And he's taken before Pilate. But Jesus knows something that we often struggle with. It's better to be scared and struggling while in the will of God than to be on top of the world. Your relationship is great. Your finances are great. Your family life is great. Everything is great. Yet outside of the will of God. If you're in here right now and you truly are a believer, you've truly called upon the name of Jesus and you truly are saved, to be outside of the will of God is the most painful, miserable experience that you will ever have. There have been times that I've told Beth, I would like to give up the ministry. Too much stress, too much drama, too much stuff going on, so I could take another kind of job if I, was, if I was just at the college. No stress at all, but I would be miserable outside of the will of God. The crash is coming. The difficult moments in your life are coming. Can you pray in every single moment, in every circumstances, regardless of what the uh, exterior of your life looks like, your will be done. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we come to you today uh, thanking you for your goodness. God asking, uh, Father, in this moment for the depth of the Spirit. Father, asking that you move us to places that you have never moved us to before. Knowing, God, that there Um, have to be decisions that are made in this room. There have to be people that are willing to reach out and hold on to you with trust and nothing else in order for us to go forward. A church is not built upon a pastor. A church is not built upon a leadership team. A church is built upon the body functioning together. And in order for us to move forward, Father, there are some of us today that need to break down. There are some of us that need to say, I am holding back and I'm holding on. And I've got some wishful thinking going on that is saying, God, please make my situation better. It's not the right prayer. But instead, your will be done. There's a release In this prayer, whenever we turn everything over, you know the alternative. You've lived the alternative. Holy Spirit, break our hearts this morning so that we fall deeper in love with you, so that we trust you more and more and more as you do work within this body. Father, knowing that if five people, if seven people, Father, if ten people are willing to say your will be done and let everything go, Father, the revolution and the revival, the spiritual renewal and awakening begin. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there is little that we could do as important as communion or the Eucharist, because it moves a pastor from the center of the stage and places the focus on the table as the center of everything. The Lord's Supper is a way for us to experience the grace of God together and also the remembrance of the sacrifice that was made for our sins. Do you recognize that today? What was paid for your sins? This is a practice for Christians, and we do this because we're following the example of Jesus at Passover. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you, those of you that are comfortable, uh, to come forward. Uh, The elements are packaged together, a piece of bread in the top and juice The bread represents the body of Christ, broken for us. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus, poured and spilled for your sins. This is worship. We encourage you to take the elements back to your seat. If you need to kneel and pray, if you need to to really have that moment of your will be done in my life, This is a powerful sacrament. This is a powerful, life-changing moment for some of you. Three things to consider before we partake. Let's focus on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Because while we were sinners, you in your mess, Christ Died for us. Let's have a period of self examination. That's what Lent is all about. Are there people in your life you need to forgive? Is there sin in your life that you need to make right today? Psalm 26 2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and test my heart. But let's also approach the table as a unified body with Jesus at the center. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you're perfectly united in mind and thought. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart prayer life today. I'm going to invite you to bring all of this, all of these burdens to Jesus.
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.